0: Only sound is coming through the head it's coming through, i think those headphones are could they be bleeding i can't it? imagine it
1: oh that sounds
0: terrible i know we, thank <laughs> god we got a nurse here <laughs> <laughs> my headphones are bleeding Oh. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the Boiled down, Coffee Club Podcast, the meeting after the meeting, where we talk about our experience living sober. We don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. This is only our experience. We have no monopoly on sobriety. If you don't like our approach, that's okay. There's lots of ways to live, and there's lots of ways to live sober. This works for us.
2: I'm Don. And I'm Sam. Hey, Don.
0: Hiya, Sam.
2: You know, it's been a while since we had this conversation, but I'm still concerned that you're boiling sticks. What's up with that? Boiling
0: sticks? What yes, do you the, mean?
2: the the boiled dowel. Oh, the boiled dowel. Welcome to the boiled
0: dowel. <laughs> <laughs> and let's see, the boiled uh two by four and the, the, the <laughs> that's, boiled that's for the big ones. <laughs>
2: the boiled 12 by 12. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh man. Dude, how are you doing? Things are opening up here. It's just glorious. How are how are things going in Greensboro? It's going good, but I got to tell you something
0: happened in the neighborhood last week. Okay? So we have a park. A creek runs through the neighborhood. It's really beautiful now it's springtime. Flowers are blooming and I've was seen a, paintings of that park. Yes, I've done some paintings of that park. <laughs> and a neighbor was down there at dusk Sitting on a park bench, and an owl swooped down out of the tree, smacked him in the back of the head, gave him a concussion. He had to go to the emergency room and have stitches put in.
2: Oh my! Is is there a punchline here? Or is this real? No, this is no. This owls are dangerous. I I was thinking it's
0: kind of like a. We often talk about God had to hit me over the head with a two by four to make me willing, you know. (laughs) I hope I don't get hit by an owl. I'm willing. I'm willing.
2: I don't know. I think it would just be highly appropriate for either one of us to be accosted by an owl in some way.
0: It would be in some way. But now I'm scared (laughs) to walk down there at dusk. (laughs) Wow.
2: Maybe the dude's hair looked like a pelt.
0: Well, it's weird. Yeah, he said it, he said it was like getting hit in the back of the head with a two-by-four. Wow. I mean, an owl, that's a hefty, well, it can be a hefty bird. Yeah. And that's what they do is they swoop and, you know, it's a good thing that he didn't get carried off. It's a good <laughs> thing he wasn't a tiny little fellow. Uh, it's,
2: it's a good thing he didn't get carried off. That would mean that you have giant owls in your neighborhood. <laughs> Either that or I have very tiny neighbors. Well,
0: (laughs) have you met the minuscules?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. We have to stop this craziness. Fortunately, we have a guest who can help us stop this. Well, she'll probably add to it. Hi, who are you?
1: Hello, my name is Claudette. Hey,
2: Claudette. Thank you so much for joining us. Claudette, the alcoholic.
1: Yeah, thank you guys for inviting me.
2: Well, I'm glad Absolutely. you're here. Uh, I know. I don. When you said Claudette the alcoholic, I totally heard something different though. I heard the owl <laughs> <The laughs> alcoholic. Alcoholic. Is that a new thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we,
1: do have, we do have many owls up here in the Pacific Northwest.
2: Yes. So- uh, I bet yeah. you. I mean, because you, you're you're living in a rainforest situation, aren't you?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm living right above the uh, right above Puget Sound, so we're not in the rainforest, per se.
0: Okay. Claudette, when did you get sober? My sobriety
1: date is June 1st, 1985. June 1st,
0: 1985. And mine is May 30th, 1994. And we were in the same home group for a long time, and it was always... A, You it was always you took the air right out of the room because I'd get my chip and then you get your chip and you had more sobriety than me. I can't seem to catch up.
1: Yeah, you know, Don, it's only today.
0: Yeah, it's on one day at a time.
1: Those years really aren't years really aren't important. It's what's going on today. Right.
2: It's very true. And and Don, you can always edit the podcast so that you've got more time. No, no, no. I I I have to be
1: rigorously
0: honest. It's
1: an honest program, Sam.
0: It's honest. (laughs) And so then you move to Seattle.
1: Tacoma. Actually, we live in Tacoma, Washington.
0: Yeah.
1: It's a big difference between Tacoma and Seattle. Only 30 miles, but it's a different, different life.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: Tacoma's a cool city.
0: So you had a lot of sobriety when you moved. Did you have trouble uh, moving and becoming part of AA in Tacoma? Yes,
1: actually. That's been, um, that's really been a struggle. We've been here, I've been here almost, it'll be six years, the end of June. I did find this home group, Women in Emotional Sobriety, which is uh, right in our neighborhood, which is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great group, it was a great group of women. Um, but I really had trouble connecting to other, to other groups, you know, they don't do AA the same out here as they do in Greensboro, <laughs> just like when I in Greensboro, they didn't do the same as they did in Syracuse, which is where I got sober.
0: Uh-huh. So, and
1: um, it's been, it, it's been tough. You know, I think I'm fortunate to have a lot of years of sobriety behind me and living sober behind me. I have connected with some women. I have some friends. Um,
0: didn't you have some kind of a, like a fortuitous coincidence with meeting someone and?
1: Yes, it was very cool. So uh, when I first when we first moved out here, of course, we didn't buy a house. We rented a rented a place, and um, our daughter helped us find a place. And the land <laughs> the the woman who we rented it from lovely woman. And we rented the place and we had a nice chat and yada, yada. Well, I went to a meeting and lo and behold, there she was. I said, aren't you my landlady? She says, <laughs> yes. Said, wow. Isn't that, isn't that cool? So that was, you know, that was very cool. To begin with. Yeah. Um, You're all over. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's all over. She's, she's got some sobriety behind her and she introduced me to some people. And, um, and that was pretty cool. And, I have recently had have asked her to help somebody new and um and that was really great you know because even though i've not been really in touch with meetings you know through this whole covid business Mm -hmm. um it's still you know this is aa you know you call up and say hey look i've got this going on could you reach out to this person for me and she says of course and she did and you know it's it started, another, it's, it started somebody else's journey on this road.
2: Oh, that's great. Yeah. That is fantastic. I, I love how the people uh, in recovery just show up in our lives. And uh, the more open I am about my recovery, the more I find them.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's a good question. Do you share that you're in recovery or do you keep it secret? I know you're in the medical profession. Yeah,
1: I am not really open about being being an alcoholic, and not at work, anyway, Uh especially not at work, you know, there's still a lot of, there's still a lot of stigma in the medical community, you know, and even if, even if I were to say to somebody, I've been sober for 36 years, come June, God willing, that idea that I'm an alcoholic is what they hear, not that I've been sober for, you know, a long time. Um, Mm -hmm. I have over the years, I have shared that with um, choice patients throughout my years. Mm. You know, people that I've I felt that could really benefit from that. Um, and on occasion I've shared it with a, you know a couple of co-workers, but in general no. Um, and even with friends, you know, friends are neighbors and stuff, we you know, just go along with that. Yeah, no, I don't drink, but please, you know, don't worry about it. Yes, come on over. Yes, we'll come and see you. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, we don't drink and we don't. And it still surprises me after all these years. It still surprises me that nobody grills me about that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Why
1: don't, well, why don't you go, you know, no, no, thanks. I don't drink.
2: Usually because back in our drinking days, everybody drank. I would have
1: been grilling people.
2: I did (laughs) do that. Yeah, (laughs) I did grill people.
1: I didn't want to hang around anybody that was, that wasn't drinking. They were not any fun.
0: Well, there's that too. That's <laughs> right. So you remember drinking? I, you know. 36 years. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's a very interesting question, Don. You know, even before the pandemic, I was having some trouble going to meetings, uh, particularly this home group. You know, there's women's meetings have a huge benefits for women because th- there's a lot of stuff um, unique to women in sobriety. Well, you know, I'll, I'm going not going to yep.
0: Well, I, I, mean, yeah. I agree hundred percent. I go to a men's meeting as well. And it's, it just removes an element that. Yes. The yes. set of the sexual tension. So.
1: Yes. There's also this issue when a group of women come together over time, you know, we start sharing a lot of, a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of stuff. And got to, it gets to be a little much. And then the other issue I was having with this particular group, and I don't know if it's because I'm old now, um, or I don't remember how things were when I was first coming around, but there were—it seems like so many people were coming in, and I'm going to get sober. I'm going to do whatever it takes, and that you know, and they get they get a month and they go out, and they get two months and they go out, and they get a week and they come back, and it's the same women, and and it was it was just getting it was getting to me feeling like I have nothing to offer these people because then it, whatever I say, nobody, you know, they just go out and drink. You know? So I was feeling like I'm out of touch with what it feels like to be a newcomer. And so I think that's part of why I pulled away from, pulled away from AA a little bit. Well, this, uh, about a month ago, um, I had an opportunity. I'm going to just say, I'm, I'm going to be a little vague here because I'm, I'm um, being very protective of somebody's anonymity mm-hmm. but uh, uh an incident occurred which um opened somebody's eyes to a problem with alcohol um and i was able to sit down with her and talk about what it was like to be an alcoholic i knew somebody struggling new and it was as i was talking to her i was like oh my god i do remember i'm not i'm not i'm <laughs> yeah. not useless you know what i mean i'm not yeah. uh, i'm not irrelevant." Yeah. Um, and so, do I remember what it's like to be to drink? You know, uh, you know, it's kind of fading. You know, alcohol has no—I have no use for alcohol in my life. But it did take this this episode, this incident, to bring me back there and and remember how scary it was.
0: Yeah, I ju- mm. I just spoke at a meeting in a, a Zoom meeting that was in New Hampshire, and it was so good because. You know, I don't know. It's like everybody here knows all my stories in town. And uh, I was talking about or some things with early sobriety, and like for example, I just went over a. Yeah, it was only a twenty minute talk, so I just went over a, the way I used to try to manage uh, not drinking, and I would only drink on the weekends, and then you know, then I'd add in. Sunday because I had a hangover and I just need a little hair of the dog and so then I was drinking on Friday Saturday and Sunday and then I add in Thursday because it's right before Friday and I might as I've well heard drink. it called Little Friday yeah Little Friday <laughs> and you know and then and next thing you know in my head I'm still thinking that I'm only drinking on the weekend. Friday and Saturday. And actually the only days I'm not drinking is Monday and Tuesday, you know, and, (laughs) and and the, the deception that Mm -hmm. I had, the way that I could uh, fool myself about what was really going on. Well, a couple of people just really identified with that. And, but I know what you mean as I, you know, what, when I go to meetings now, I'm going to meetings more, about my thinking than, uh, than anything about drinking. I mean, I just haven't had a desire to drink it so long. Right. Yes. Yeah.
2: You know, for me, it's one of those things that, um, Claudette, when you were talking about that, I mean, the, the, th- the thought that popped into my head was intensive work with another alcoholic that phrase mm-hmm. from our literature and that being one of the things that helps us so much. And that's what I heard you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's my experience too, is that, The one-on-one conversations are where I get really charged, perhaps recharged. I I just get a lot out of talking recovery with one, maybe two people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and especially when it's a newcomer situation and and I can connect with them and get it. But the meetings that I go to here, I go to, I, I haven't done any indoor meetings here yet, but I go to a meeting in the park now that I'm fully vaccinated and, and all that. And, I hear in those meetings so much of what you described about the uh, the women in the uh, in the meeting that you had been going to that it's just uh, it's it's like a revolving door, uh, and and it's just relapse after relapse. And it's like when I'm sitting in this circle, and you know I've got nine years of sobriety, and I'm an old timer in the circle because there have been occasions where every other person sitting in that circle is a day counter. Now, nothing wrong with day counters. I'm glad they're there. But many of these people have restarted and restarted and restarted. And what I feel, I share in the meeting my experience of recovery and that I worked the steps. I got the results of working the steps. Then I stopped working the steps someone else's way. And the bad idea sounded good. I reset my sobriety date, started working the steps someone else's way. Life got really good. Um, But... I'm trying to reach them, but I'm really not trying to, to like really make that connection because I can't do that to them in the meetings. I cannot get through
0: to someone who's like that. And that
2: exactly my job is when is to make, it's to show up to the meetings and make recovery attractive. Mm -hmm. I'm also there to get what I need and to be an example. And then to stick around after the meeting and talk and that's where those opportunities for that one-on-one connection where i might be able to help someone show up
0: yeah, yeah, and,
1: absolutely. yeah. absolutely i agree and, and um, you know i was i was i was doing that you know i was doing that in, in, in the meetings too and but finding myself being very judgy and yeah. easy and to do very it judgy and i just you know i don't like that i mean it's not it's yeah. not fair you know i you know i would I would never say out loud to somebody, "Oh my God, what? Can't you just get your shit together?" I would, I would never say that, but mm-hmm. I can tell you that it goes on in my mind. know.
0: Oh, I've been on working here. on that. I've been working it, on that. Come well, on, and it's not you know, coming from a place different? of did wanting to be not mean?
1: mean. Not being mean. It's just like, are you not listening? Did you, you know, before you took that drink, did you call somebody? Yeah. Did you text somebody? I mean. Everybody wants to text. Nobody wants to call on the phone.
2: Yeah. Yes. There's that. <laughs>
1: there's that. There's it, a phone. I think there's and. Hey, here's some crusty old timers. <laughs> I'm showing my age. There's a lot of stuff you cannot communicate on text.
2: Oh, absolutely. It's so easy to hide behind a text. Yes. I agree. I'm, on the
1: phone, even if you're not speaking, there's you know silence can can speak volumes when you're talking to somebody on the phone. I'll
0: absolutely. get a text message and say, call me. <laughs> yeah something that you know as soon as it's if it's anything other than just informational
2: let's talk <laughs> if it's going to be a volley of more than uh two or three texts between uh, the yeah. two of us uh, then yeah we're, we're going to have a conversation yeah. Well, yeah absolutely
0: let's uh let's see if we can draw your Your mind back, going back (laughs) through the swirling
2: miasma.
0: (laughs) Claudette is drinking and suddenly comes to a place where she decides, I can't take this anymore. I need to go to AA. Do you remember that moment?
1: Well, you know, I came to AA through the back door, through Al-Anon. Oh, so, you know, I had some inkling that my drinking wasn't great, but when I was married the first time I was married to, um, I was married to a guy who drank way worse than I did. So Ooh. he was, I labeled him the alcoholic.
0: <laughs> he was much worse than me.
1: Much worse than me. Um, he did terrible things, terrible, terrible things. Um, I'm being sarcastic. Anyway, we got divorced and my life was still messed up. I was uh, rekindled a relationship with a, uh, an old friend and um, we were going around together. And lo and behold, doesn't he get a couple of DWIs? So this is in the eighties, you know, things weren't quite like they are now, but a couple of DWIs and he got sent to AA. And he came around and we were still, we were still you know hanging around together, had this little relationship, it was very nice. Um, but he came to my apartment one day and said, you know what, he said, Claudia, tell me, what's your primary purpose? I said, what, are you t- what? what do you mean my primary purpose? He said, what's your primary purpose? And I, you know, I set myself up and well, you know, I was a single mom at this divorce, single mother. Well, of course, my primary purpose is to be the best mother and provider I can for my daughter. You know, very Ooh. And he said, you know, I am learning in these meetings that my primary purpose is to not drink. And I was floored. You know, this is a guy that um, i had known for a lot of years. We went to college together in the 70s. And uh, we had always partied together. And um, even the, when he got the DWIs, it was just like, yeah, I'm going to go to these meetings. But, you know, we'll still free drinking and stuff. And he said, my primary purpose is to not drink. And he started getting serious about not drinking. And then months later, around, uh, it came to be the next New Year's Eve. And I started getting, I was getting scared about, being out in public drinking because my behavior when I drank was atrocious. I'll just leave it at that. And I was afraid to be out there. And so I, I stopped drinking out in public for the most part.
0: You are afraid of yourself.
1: Afraid of myself. What I would do, what would happen, yada uh-huh. uh, yada yada. You know, I, I mean I mean the least of my problems was that I drove drunk, you know. So the rest of what I was doing was really not good. Um, and then the next big, the next big drink holiday for me came up. It was P- St. Patrick's day. And this friend of mine from work, she said, Oh, come on downtown. This is in Syracuse. Come on down to the hotel. We're just going to have a couple of drinks for St. Patrick's day. And, um,
0: couple of drinks. Couple.
1: <laughs> <laughs> drinks for St. Patrick's. I believe that. And so, you know, I, I said, Oh yeah, that sounds great. And, you know, I get my daughter set up with the babysitter downstairs and look at my wallet. And I had, this is going to be very dated. But I had, you know, I had about $10 in my wallet and I said, well, I can go and have a couple of drinks and I would still have, a, a, I'll still have something left over because, you know, to get some food this week before I get paid. So off I went, off I went. And the next thing I know, I'm waking up at home, fortunately in my bed, but I had had another blackout, you know, and go and, going, and Go to my purse. My wallet is empty because did I have two drinks? No, I did not. I drank until I, you know, didn't have any money left. And, um, and then I, it sort of it started to hit me that this is not good. But I still didn't think well, I'm really not an alcoholic. It's these other people in my life. And so I took somebody's advice and went to Al-Anon. And um, and one of the things Al-Anon groups talk about is um, when you learn about alcoholism, but they recommend going to an open Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. And I went to an open speakers meeting and it just happened through, you know, the way things happen with our people. It was a woman up there speaking and she started speaking about um, normal drinkers, what normal drinkers do and what, not normal drinkers do. And she said, you know, she said, i learned that normal drinkers don't drink before they go out. I thought, mm, yeah, I do that. I drink before I go out. Normal <laughs> drinkers, um, you know, normal drinkers know when to stop. They say if norm, a normal drink person that doesn't have a problem with alcohol will say, I'm going to go have a couple of drinks and they're done. And sometimes normal drinkers leave a drink in the glass.
2: Tragedy. that is abomination it,
1: it floored me I and mean, then she went through and she went through a, a whole litany of
0: things
2: yeah.
1: and I was mm-hmm. standing in way in the back of the room this was a big speaker meeting I'm standing way in the back of the room and I thought oh my god <laughs> but I still wasn't quite convinced but I went um towards and the end of April I was in a um, my friend from from work we went down to her her parents' house, we live in Rochester, New York. for The weekend, I don't know what I can't remember why we did that, it was just something fun to do. And I was sitting there and I was thinking, I still hadn't decided to stop drinking and all I could think of was, this is great. My daughter's safe because she's here with Ann's um, parents and I can drink and I can drink and I can drink. And, and it hit me then that, man, my primary purpose isn't about taking care of my daughter. My primary purpose is setting up my life So that I can drink. Yes. And I just, you know, that was a moment of clarity to say, I haven't got a problem here. I'm going to stop drinking. That was, that was about April 30th. And I stopped, I decided to stop drinking. And I told you my sobriety date is about, is June 1st. I've taken as June 1st, because that's about the time Mm -hmm. I went to my first meeting. Mm -hmm. That month, that whole month of May was, was like the worst month ever. I wasn't drinking, and I was not a daily drinker. I, you know, I drank on the weekends occasionally. I drink or have another substance during the week, but I was pretty much a weekend drinker. Um, but it was the worst month ever. All I could think about was alcohol. Mm. I and why can't I? And what's the matter? And I, I want no. I'm not going to drink. I don't need to drink, but I want to drink. Right, this, this war in my head was was horrible it was worse yeah. than it was worse than anything
2: the obsession was totally was there
1: ridiculous ridiculous and so i finally finally said to my friend i think i need to go to an aa meeting you know i've been going to Al-Anon pretty regularly and i said i think i need to go to an aa meeting he said oh really
2: <laughs> <laughs> quells the surprise <Yeah.
1: laughs> and so i did you know i'm I uh, went to my first day A meeting on a Monday night and walked into this. Actually, before I walked into the room, I sat in the parking lot and cried my eyes out in the car because I didn't want to be an alcoholic. You know, I was married to somebody who was—I labeled him an alcoholic. You know, and I, you know, I, I didn't want—I don't want to be that. I didn't want to be that person. I wanted to be the good person. Yes. Being an alcoholic was being a bad person, right? Yes. And so I walk in this meeting big meeting and sit down i'm looking at all the people there's there's a few young people but mostly old people and i sat down next to this old guy you know i say old guy he's probably younger than you and i don
0: (laughs) i know
1: time and sat down and i just sat down and said is this your first meeting yes
0: Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the old timers aren't crying at the meeting. You know, that's one way you can tell the difference. It's whether just coming to the meeting makes me burst into tears. <laughs>
1: right. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. New. He said it's okay. Just stay here. Just sit here. It's okay.
0: That's beautiful. And,
1: you know, and as was the fashion of the time, with you know, at the, in those meetings, they always asked if there was anybody new. And I I put my hand up and they'd go around the room and, you know, talk about the first three steps and and really focus the whole meeting on me, which was, you know, terrifying, but welcoming at the same time, if Mm -hmm. that makes any sense. Yeah. Yep. I don't remember a lot of what was said at that meeting, except um, there's a few, there's a few things, this, this old woman, I can't remember her name now. She talked about how Alcoholics Anonymous keeps her on an even keel. She says, "When I when I don't drink, I can stay on an even keel." I don't know why that stuck with me, but but it did.
0: That's then, the that's the whole reason for going, yeah. <laughs> to to meetings is to stay even. Stay even.
1: <laughs> At the end of the meeting, I um uh, uh you know several women came up to me, gave me their phone numbers, and you know talked, and I went home, and I was crying all the way home. I'm thinking, I don't want to be an alcoholic. And I did something that was very, very out of character for me. I called I called this woman, I reached out and called some called this woman on the phone when I got home. And we talked on the phone for a long time. And she said, It's, you know, it's okay. You know, you don't have to call yourself an alcoholic if you don't want to. She said, Well, why don't you just come back to a meeting tomorrow? Tomorrow night.
0: There's that one-on-one. Yeah. We why don't you just
1: come about. back? And and I did, and you know. I didn't cry after that, I think, but um, yeah, you know, that's kind of a long-winded, around way to Would, say how that happened for me. But
0: do, so, I guess you learned that being an alcoholic is not a bad person trying to become a good person; it's a sick person trying to become a well person.
1: That's my that's the first sponsor told me. Yes, that's what my first sponsor told me. She said, "You're not bad. You're just a sick person trying to get well." And you know, it wasn't in that first meeting, but it was in probably in those first few meetings that I heard—I really heard the first step about um, I'm powerless over alcohol, and my life has been is is unmanageable. And it was that first part that that was such a freeing thing for me that I am powerless over alcohol, and that it's like it explained everything to me. About what I had been doing with drinking for, you know, I I came in when I was about 28, but I had been drinking since I was around 13. And And we
2: can only hear that from other people who are like us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm powerless over alcohol. That's why I can't stop drinking when I say I'm going to go have two drinks. That's Mm -hmm. why I I can't stop drinking before I black out. Um, you know, so I'm powerless over it. Okay, so stay away from it. That made so, that made so much sense to me.
2: But um, how do I stay away from it?
1: Well, and that's what these people taught me. This is what yeah. these people taught me. They said, just do it a day at a time. And, um, you know, a lot of people still talked about an hour at a time or a minute at a time, if that's what it takes. And, you know, really basic stuff. These, these were old-time alcoholics. You know, if, if you feel like drinking, to pick up, pick up the phone and call somebody. And something we don't say in meetings anymore, because people are kind of sensitive these days is just don't drink. If your ass is falling off, pick it up, take it to a meeting and don't drink.
0: Ah, that's the ticket. <laughs> I, <Yeah>. I actually <laughs> used that recently.
1: Did you?
0: <laughs> you I, I actually told a guy that, that's, uh, <laughs> which is great. Trusty the old-timer.
1: <laughs> Just don't drink. Because because what happens when you go to the meeting is people talk about how they're living sober.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And for that hour that you're sitting in the meeting, you're not drinking. And for, for most of us, not everybody, but if you can sit for an hour and not drink and listen to other people talk about how not to do it, it you feel better at the end. It
2: lets yeah, the pressure out. And if you get into the habit of making those phone calls that are so hard to do, when there's not a meeting available immediately, you can call someone until you can get to a meeting.
1: Yeah. It was, um, you know, that was, so that was in June. So that first summer was interesting for me. <laughs> you know, um, I wasn't a, you know, I wasn't a daily drinker, but I was a event kind of drinker. When I mean event, I mean like periodic. it's afternoon and it's sunny, so
2: yes, that kind of an event.
1: <laughs> and so summertime was a big, you know, a big drinking time.
2: Full of events.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, full of events. Claudette, what was one uh, sometime that you were uh, working the steps where the steps were asking you to do something that was against your idea of what you should do, but you found out by doing it. It worked. Huh.
1: Well, you know, I was, I've been able to not drink since my first meeting, but my life didn't get better immediately. You know, part of why I didn't want to drink, part of why, you know, I was, I was really very miserable. You know, I told you I, I divorced my first husband because I thought it was his fault because he was drinking and my life was miserable. Well, guess what? My life was still miserable when I was divorced and still had some, you know, blah, blah, blah. blah. And then not drinking, I still was very, very miserable. And I got to a, a place um, that I, I just didn't I just didn't want to be around anymore. I said I just can't I can't do this. I don't like mm. this. I don't like this life. And I've been You're talking working,
0: about life, you didn't want to be around life, life? I
1: didn't I didn't want to be around life. You know, I don't want to say I'm suicidal because I because I would never I never was had an active plan, uh-huh. but um, even though I wasn't drinking and I was, you know, going to meetings, I was making some friends deep down. I still was like, I am awful and I don't want to be here. And, you know, part of me was, you know, would my daughter be better off without me? And, mm. oh, yeah, I and, and mm. meanwhile, I'm learning about the steps and, you know, go, I had a sponsor at the time and um, I was just having a, re- I was at a very low spot, a very low place. And I, physically got down on my knees and said, God, please help me. And, you know, I, when I came in the program, I didn't have a problem with God. You know, I was a, I was a practicing Catholic at the time. I didn't really have a problem with God, but this was a different, this was something different. And I, you know, I was just completely honest to say, I can't do this. You have to help me with this. And it was a it was a complete turn it it created a complete turnaround for me in the program. Wow. It was it was an I wouldn't I shouldn't say it, not a turnaround, I guess an opening. Yeah. An opening into, okay, yeah, you're gonna be okay. And it was it there was no flashing light or anything, you know, dramatic like that. It was just that kneeling down and saying, please help me. Yeah. And I got past that. And I, you know, the next thought I had was I can't, I can't die because who's going to take care of my daughter. So there was that part of it. That was,
0: that was complete surrender.
1: That yes, there was that surrender. And that immediate first answer was you can't leave because you've got this responsibility. And so that has been for, for many years, my thought that my daughter, my daughter saved my life there. That I, if she, if I didn't have her, I probably would have said, get it all. Yeah, but moving from there, from there opened up my eyes to what the program could do, and from there, I think it was within the next few months or so that I started working my fourth
0: step. Wow, that's beautiful. That's that's similar to what happened to me. A moment of complete despair, and I was going to drink, and I didn't want to drink, and I said a prayer. Yeah, please help me. And I, and I didn't believe in it. I didn't believe it, but it worked
2: and it's worked for many others.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. None of us really wants to do uh, the, uh, what is it? The, uh, the leveling of pride. I think it, that refers to that uh, the, the, uh, the working the steps requires, mm-hmm. I mean, it brings about right-sizing. That's, that's the term we use. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it, it gets us right-sized. Yeah. I was resistant to Imagine,
1: you resisted, Sam?
2: (laughs) (laughs) You don't know me. (laughs) You don't know my life.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, for me, I was, I was, I have, my identity was really wrapped up in being this self-reliant person. Mm -hmm. To accept and surrender to the fact that I needed something else to help me with this alcoholism and with life, living life, was it was that was no. I didn't want. Yeah. To, I guess that's the part I didn't want to do. Uh-huh. I didn't want to. I didn't want to do that. And I will confess that I still struggle with this. All these years later, I still struggle with that. I just don't want people to help me. I want to do it myself until I'm in such a state that I can't do anything else but help. Ask for help.
0: <laughs> I've been reading the Tao Te Ching, and there is an exercise. And one of the verses in the edition that that I'm reading by Wayne Dyer, he he has commentary after the verses. One of them is, I've, I've been trying to do this, and this is painful. Today, when you feel the need to express an opinion about anything that happens during the day, sit back don't express the opinion and see where it hurts. (laughs)
2: Where
0: does it hurt to not express my opinion? What part of my ego is there? So the idea being that the Tao exists and I need to flow rather than fight. Mm -hmm. So it's like God's will in, in AA terms, There's God's will and there's my will. So I surrender my will to God's will with it. And in the Tao, it's like I'm going to flow instead of fight. So if I look at it, do I need to express my opinion? And like I was doing, I had a sponsee that was like, uh, not doing, not taking my suggestions, Claudette. Gasp. (laughs) What'd you say, Sam?
2: Gasp. (laughs)
0: Yes. I know, and I was like uh, going for a walk and suddenly I was realized oh, I was looking at my thinking and going, oh, I was like really pissed off about this. What's going on? Okay, I, what if I don't have an opinion about this? What, what hurts? And it was, I'm going to look bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's ego, it's mm-hmm. ego. And I know I really don't have control over another person. Mm-hmm. So what am I supposed to do? well, what's my role really? It's not to instruct. It's to simply be and live. And then other people can do what I'm doing or not. They can judge for themselves. So it really helped me, but it hurts.
2: (laughs) It hurts to not express my opinion because I have a way. You know, I've gotten... My taste of that in recovery, but in a different way, and it was from my service sponsor sharing with me how, when he is in a uh, a general service situation, uh, a meeting of some sort, he does not express his opinion. He's it's, something's being discussed. He's got opinions on it, and he holds on to that opinion until the subject is moving on and no one else has brought it up. He gives other people time to do it. That's one of those ways. And the other thing is that when I have an idea, when I have something to give to the conversation, that I don't have to sell it, to be dispassionate about it. Because if it ha- if it has merit, it'll stand on its own legs. The group will pick it up. The person will take it, whatever. It's yes. not my job to sell it. Yes. Mm. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah okay
0: (laughs) okay that's your challenge for today
2: no opinion if you choose to accept (laughs) if you choose to
0: accept
1: oh no that does sound like mission impossible i don't know this
2: podcast will self-destruct in three (laughs) two one sorry about that smoke that's coming out of your device folks
0: (laughs) Mm. Claudette so for for you today though uh-huh. how would you say that you work the program that you that the program is active in your life on an everyday basis
1: yeah I've been thinking about that a lot lately in these past you know past several weeks as I've been you know preparing for this today <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh it's time for your prepared statement oh yes would would you would yes
1: so how is how have i been using the program every day you know and so you know don mentioned this earlier too you know my my problem today isn't drinking and alcohol is is not my problem today my head is my problem today Mm -hmm. and so how do i you know how do i how do i do what do i do and i've been thinking what does that what does it mean what do these steps mean i haven't do I, do I use the steps every day? These steps have become ingrained into my life. And so that it's, it's often hard for me to parse out where am I using step one to use yes. all of those. But I can tell you that powerlessness um, is something that I use nearly every day, uh, whether it's in my personal life, in my own being, personal life, in my relationships, uh, my close relationships, um, or in my in my job. There is so much, there's so much stuff in the world, in my, in my just, in my, just my little world that I'm powerless over. And um, I have to, and I have to admit that every day. And I have to start my day with that to say, okay, I'm going to do what I can do today and what I'm supposed to do today. I'm going to try and stay out of other people's business, which is hard when you're, when your business is telling people what to do. You know, I'm not, I'm a medical yes. person. I tell people what to do. But to do that in such a way to offer somebody an option, offer some people thing to do, but not judge it. And I guess that's where that powerlessness comes from. You know, I can give people so possible solutions. They get to do with it what they want. Um, and so powerlessness is something that I, um, that I use every day. Something that I don't use enough of And I've, you know, because I've been, you know, anticipating talking with you guys today, I've been thinking more about it. Something I don't do like I used to is that 10th step and thinking about.
0: Continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't do that as readily as, as I used to do it. And that's, that's something I'm. I'd like to work on more because I can remember when I was doing that, my life seemed to be much freer or I felt freer within my life Mm -hmm. going around. And um, yeah, just being a little more open to people and, and thinking about what it is I'm doing. And, you know, I, I, I have a pretty uh, robust meditation practice as part of, as part of yoga and I've been doing this uh, 40 day meditation program. And it's all about mindfulness and just working on being more aware of what I'm doing in the world, what I'm saying in the world, and how I'm affecting those around me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your your perspective of this, holding holding an opinion back is one thing, but also, you know, trying to be more gentle in the world and just uh, not taking it so seriously, not serious, so personally because the world is serious we we all know that we've got some serious stuff going on in the world but it's not really all about me
0: wear this world like a diaphanous
2: gown is that the expression (laughs) i think that's (laughs) directly quoted from the big book yeah that's it (laughs) and if not it'll be in the fifth edition (laughs) Oh, (laughs) oh my god Well, Claudette, I told you we've got live animals, and you really, especially after that story that Don told us, you might want to watch your head. (laughs) It's time for our old-timers question.
0: Who you kind of an old-timer?
2: You. That's what happens if you don't drink and you don't die.
0: Well. No matter how long you've been sober, Sam, it's still one day at a time. That's the way it works for all of us. Isn't that right, Claudette? Yes, Don, that's right. Sam, if your ass falls off, you pick (laughs) it up, put it in a wheelbarrow, and roll it to a meeting.
2: Um, Okay. (laughs) You can post a question at boiledowl.aa.org. So, we heard from Dylan on on our last podcast, who had asked us a question about being young in this meeting and and how do I get a sponsor and all that. Oh, yeah. And it was really, really cool because, you know, sometimes we we can't get a question on uh, the episode right away. We respond to to folks who who write to us as well, so through the the email. And uh, that sounded so old, through the email. um, (laughs) But uh, Dylan responded, Dylan wrote back, I'm sorry to take so long to reply, but thank you so much for your advice. I had been going to one meeting a week, but decided to start going to more. I started making the early birds before work. And after a few meetings, I noticed there was one guy who had chaired a few times and always had something to contribute to discussions. I approached him after a meeting and told him that I was wanting to go all in on the program and asked him how best to go about getting a sponsor. He said that he would be more than happy to work with me. I'm doing the classic 90 meetings in 90 days and meeting with him every week individually. I just hit one month yesterday and I've all but lost that terror of being in meetings. Turns out AA is a really accepting place. Hope y'all are staying safe and sober, Dylan. Dylan, dude, thank you so much for writing back to us. That was so cool to hear your experience there. That's wonderful, Dylan. Keep it up. All right. And now we do have a question that, uh, I think is just really cool how it came up in the conversation. And I actually selected this question before y'all got talking about sponsors and all that kind of stuff. Um, And this is from Rose in Nebraska. Am I allowed to disagree with my sponsor? Woo! Yes,
0: you can disagree with your sponsor. Though, you know, if you've chosen a sponsor who's been around a while, is calm and has some sense of serenity and is not filled with anger, then your sponsor has a pretty good idea of the way that the steps work and the way the program works. One of the hardest things for me to hear was I needed to get sober someone else's way. <laughs> Because I have ideas about how I need to get sober. I have ideas about how I'm going to stay sober. And I have ideas about the steps when I first walked into the room. And those ideas didn't work. I think surrendering to a sponsor's suggestions is good. But I disagreed. I remember my sponsor telling me after the fifth step where... You know, I I wrote out an inventory of all my defects and then I shared all that with him. And the next day after doing that, I asked him, How did, what did you think? Was that a good fourth step? The fifth step was that good? And he's going, Yeah, you weren't, you were not too defensive. I was going, What? (laughs) I wasn't defensive. That's well, you, and now, you know, he were a little defensive a couple of times there. Uh, So, it's understandable. Now, if your sponsor is, if you're incompatible with what your sponsor is telling you to do, and you just can't see their point of view, then you need to get another sponsor because you got a, a relation. It's got to be a relationship where you trust each other. So I found somebody I could trust. I trusted them and followed their directions I resisted a few times, and I remember my sponsor one time telling me, he "Was going well, Don. You can't go drink if you want to." I was going, "Well, no, no, I don't want to do that. I just want to disagree." <laughs> 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 so, okay, 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 I'll do it. The sponsor, if you've got a good sponsor, has your best interests in heart, and that's they're trying to save your life. Sponsors already walk the walk. I love that uh, story of the man who f- falls into a hole and different people come and give them advice on how to get out and everything. And uh, another alcoholic walks by, sees them. the guy in the hole, jumps down there and said, here, I'll show you the way out. I've done this before. Yeah. I think trusting your sponsor is the thing to do. And if you, And if you feel like you can't trust your sponsor, then you need to get another sponsor. Thank you, Krusty.
2: <laughs> Claudette, am I allowed to disagree with my sponsor?
1: Wow, you know, I'm think I've had, I've had a few sponsors, just a few sponsors over the years. I had one sponsor for a long time, the whole time I was in Syracuse, and I don't recall ever feeling like I disagreed with her. Now, Marianne, I'll say that name, Marianne. God bless her, she just died recently. Miriam was older than me, much older than me when I came in the program and she had quite a few years behind her. And her approach to being a sponsor was, I am here for you Claudette, whenever you need me. You can call me whenever you want. Well, within reason, don't call me in the middle of the night. These are the meetings I go to. I would love to see you at the meetings and we should talk and I we'll talk about the, talk about the steps but she was not she was not one that said you have to do that you need to do this 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 and this to be you know for me to be your sponsor and so i don't ever really remember having cause to disagree with her my most recent sponsor i had in greensboro was also a a woman who with a lot of time and um, we had a lot of things in common and we would talk about stuff and i think we we probably had some disagreements But it wasn't about how to work this program, and so I think I'm I'm with I'm with Don in that, you know, if I pick a sponsor, I've got to be willing to say this person has done this. This person has gotten sober, and what I need from a sponsor is somebody to show me how to stay sober. It's not really not somebody to be my best friend. It's somebody to have how to stay sober, and so I need to pick somebody that I will trust to say. These are the things you need to do. And like I said, my sponsor was very laid back and she said, these are the things I suggest. You know, I see. She sort of said, these are the meetings I go to. I'd like to see you there. You know, I'd like to see you. I'd like to talk to you on the phone. We should get together. And she was, again, very laid back about it, but in her own way was saying underneath the surface, if you want to get sober, this is how you do it. And you hang around, you know, and what we heard in meetings and also what happened was after meetings, we did, um, we did the meeting after the meeting on uh, most Friday and Saturday nights, spent, and she says, this is what we do. A bunch of us go out to Denny's and we eat junk food and we talk and we talk about how we stay sober, you know, and, and I, I just did that. It wasn't always easy for me. It wasn't always something I wanted to do, hanging around with these old people on Friday night, but turned out to be the right thing. So um, the answer to Rose, I think is the same as as Don's. Yeah, if you're feeling like you're disagreeing with what your sponsor is saying in terms of getting sober, then you probably need to find a new sponsor.
2: Thank you, Claudette. First of all, yes, you can disagree with your sponsor. Absolutely. But uh, it, just as you two have spoken to, um, it's, for me, I have to work this program someone else's way. But thank God there are tons of different types of sponsorship going on out there, a you know, bunch of different styles. But the, the, the thing that I would throw into uh, this, this thing of, you know, I'm not going to disagree with my sponsor on how to work the program, how to work these steps, because I have to do it someone else's way. Um, Now, if there's a, you know, a a horrible incompatibility between us, um, yeah, I'm going to find someone else. Sponsorship is not marriage, and even marriage is mutable these days. Sponsorship is not a relationship for life. It's a relationship as long as it serves both of you. If it stops serving one of you, you can leave. It's okay. Thank the person for what they've been and find the next There are some sponsors out there and there are some folks who need this. I'm not one of them. I'm not going to seek a sponsor who sponsors like this. I don't need you to run my life. Mm -hmm. If you're going to try to run my life and direct how I live, um, I'm going to disagree with you a lot and probably tell you to go kick a rock and go find uh, another sponsor. But that's me. There are some folks, particularly when they first come into these rooms, that, that they need some some direction on how to live, yeah. the basics. Yeah. And there are sponsors out there that do that. They do it with love, not trying to control. And, uh, and they, they prove to be quite useful to, to people as well. So tons of different types of sponsorship. The disagreement, I can even disagree with how you, how you work the steps. But the thing is, I've made a commitment to myself that I'm going to work the steps with each sponsor that I have and I'm going to work them all in doing that. I'm going to do it the way they suggest. It doesn't mean that I'm going to like it, but you know, I bet I'll learn something. I bet I'll get something and I'm, I know that I will get something uh, that I wouldn't have gotten if I did it without that sponsor, if I did it my way. So, yeah, disagree with your sponsor. Uh, When it comes to working the program, disagree with them and do it anyway. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, that's the way I did it.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. Thank you, Rose. Appreciate you writing in. (laughs) This has been really cool.
0: Claudette, it was good to see you.
1: Yes, so great to see you.
0: Congratulations on your anniversary coming up. You'll be picking up how many years? 36. Thirty-six, and I'll pick up just before you. And I don't want to catch up to you because the only way that's going to work is for you to drink
2: Stop. or die. Or die. Don't catch not
1: them. Try not to do either one of those.
2: Okay, that sounds like All a right. good deal. Okay. <laughs> so good to see you. Fabulous. Now, once again, watch out for that pesky owl. <laughs> Oh, it's being a little tame at the moment. Oh, thanks for joining us. The Boiled Owl podcast is posted on the 1st and 15th of every month. If you'd like to contribute to help with expenses, information on that is at the bottom of our website. Visit us at boiledowlaa.org or email giveahoot at boiledowlaa.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous in your city or visit aa.org. Please note, Boiled Owl AA is produced by members of Alcoholics Anonymous and only expresses our experience and opinions. It is not endorsed by AA World Services.